Greetings, pilgrims. Today we've got a special episode prepared for y'all. We're, we're mixing things up a little bit. Indeed we are. We have a great conversation with Aaron Farr and Elian Haddock, creators of Z Founder, a weekly newsletter covering Gen Z startups and venture news. Yep. Nothing saves me from the Monday morning blues quite like a new edition of Z Founder, fresh in my inbox. Oh, baby. <laughs> Whether it's health tech, future of work, or even Dow tooling, I swear I learn about at least five new companies every time. You can also check out their job board, startup database, and even join their talent collective. Do our boys a favor and subscribe at zfounder.com. That's Z-F-O-U-N-D-R.com. Link will be in the show notes. Let's dive right in. You see here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Brandon and Sam. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of startups and venture capital to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, we welcome on Aaron Farr and Elian Haddock of Z Founder, weekly newsletter highlighting Gen Z uh, startups and the like. And we're big fans of you guys, wanted to bring you on, hear a little bit more about the story and your passion for startups, venture capital, and specifically regarding Gen Z. I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, thanks for coming on. If you will, just each of you introduce yourself. Um, you know, tell us how you got into starting the newsletter and the idea for Z Founder, and we'll go from there. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks so much for having us, guys. Uh, we're, we're big fans of what you guys are doing, too, so really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I can start. I'm, I'm Elian. Um, I guess we can go more into Z Founder a bit later, but um, just as like a broad overview, I'm 21 years old. I'm a senior at Yale and have been in the venture space for coming up on like a year and a half now. Um, so I work for an early stage VC in New York, along with Aaron um, called Aggie Ventures. And uh, we're both analysts here and uh, we started Z Founder last fall. Um, we launched in November. And I've been doing weekly issues since then. So it's been it's been really good. Um, I'll let Aaron touch on kind of how we started and, and what we do each week. Uh, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, dope. Thanks, Elian. Um, yeah, my name's Aaron. Uh, I just graduated uh, from Yale uh, last week, or this week, two days ago, actually. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Maine my entire life. Uh, didn't really know too much about the, the startup or VC world until about halfway through uh, kind of my college experience when kind of the uh, pandemic happened, I was planning on going uh, potentially down a more kind of like traditional, uh, like, I don't know, finance consulting path. Um, but luckily enough, kind of connected with these two Yale alum who were starting their own um, emerging fund in New York City um, and kind of interned for them for the summer, really started to love the early stage startup world um, and kind of have been with them ever since for over two years now. Um, and Yes, in that time, I uh, learned a lot about early stage startups, uh, lived in New York City for six months um, in uh, about a year ago, I met a lot of young people in the startup and VC world, um, both in the city and online. Um, and yeah, like Elian said, um, we realized there's so much potential out there, but there wasn't really one good place that kind of like brought all this together in like a digestible and accessible way. 
um, which led to us, yeah, kind of starting the newsletter um, at the towards the end of 2021, um, which which is, has been great. I mean, we featured I think 150 companies this week, um, all with at least one uh, Gen Z founder. Um, have met tons of really interesting people, have heard stories about how companies we've featured, have connected with investors who invested in their company because of the newsletter, um, and, and a whole lot of other fun stuff that's come out of it. That's great. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about what what excites you about startups and venture capital, maybe maybe with specifically regard to Agia Ventures, which has a focus on prop tech. Am I right with that? Yeah, yeah, I can I can start and then Aaron, feel free to add. Um, somewhat Aaron, I was didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, coming in as a freshman in college, but I was I was lucky enough to join like a few student groups that kind of got me into entrepreneurship. Had a few internships after that, and slowly but surely, kind of started to realize that um, startups and entrepreneurship were a lot more exciting to me than other other industries within finance or consulting or something. Um, so yeah, I started about a year and a half ago, like fully in VC and, um, have really been all in on VC since then. Uh, I think what I, what I really like about it is just the, the fast pace of the startup world. I think it's kind of unlike many other industries out there. Um, things are always moving and, um, especially at the early stage, I think, you know, obviously startups pivot all the time, like ideas come and go. Um, but that's a lot of the excitement um, that comes with that. Um, so yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, like you like you alluded to, Agia is a real estate tech focused VC, uh, which I didn't really have a strong passion for before I joined, um, but I've actually come to really love it. And I know Aaron has too. Um, and not necessarily married to doing that for my entire career, but it's it's definitely been an amazing starting point um, to get my foot in the venture world. Um, so yeah, Aaron, feel free to add anything. Yeah. I mean, I think one reason like why I'm, I find myself really drawn to the early stage startup kind of ecosystem is that it's such like a people first uh, industry, whether you're deciding, whether you're deciding to work at a company or to invest in a company or anything else, like the number one thing, I think that in my opinion, that's the most important thing is just really like the people um, that are, that are founding, whether it's the CEO or the people working with them. Um, it's really an industry that's driven by people. Um, and because, I mean, a company at a pre-seed seed level, they could go in any which direction. I mean, they could do anything. It's really like you aren't really betting on like any particular product or business model at that point. You're really just betting on people, um, which I think is like a really cool way of just like working um, in, in working in kind of such a people-centric uh, industry, which is really what the early stage startup world is, um, which is a big reason why I, I, I find myself so compelled to it. Yeah, I think... I at least really, Sam and I both resonate with those answers. For me, I uh, started out of college in a finance job and had a great time, but was ready for something, like you said, Ellie, and a little bit more dynamic. And that's definitely, you know, startup was able to, or venture capital was able to scratch that itch and then some. Um, Follow-up question, you guys do such a great job of covering so many different sectors within venture capital with Z Founder. Um, but what are some of your specific favorite sectors? Obviously, real estate tech might be in there, but outside of that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> good question. I mean, we, we cover we try to cover a lot of like the industries that are exciting to young people in general. Um, so, I mean, we've done a lot in like Web3 crypto just because that's super hot right now. 
Um, creator economy is another one that I think is kind of getting a lot of buzz recently. Um, I'd say my personal favorites, I come from a, a sports background. I'm, I've been an athlete in college. Um, and so personally, I, I'm, I really like kind of health, wellness, sports tech a lot too. Um, but I mean, there's, yeah, there's probably a lot of answers there. Um, in addition to like real estate, like I said, I, I've become really uh, interested in it and I didn't really know much about it before I started, but it's actually a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff, especially when you get into like smart cities and um, smart home tech and yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's uh, great. And I think um, an area that I've been, I know Ellie and I have spent a lot of time talking about, we've covered it quite a bit in the, in the newsletter, um, is kind of just like DAO tooling um, as an in NFT tooling as, as an industry. Um, and we've talked about this uh, a lot, but uh, DAOs are still like in a very, I think you could say, uncertain state. I mean, regulatorily, it's like very unsure how things are going to uh, unfold over the coming months and years um, for them and kind of exactly how they're going to fit um, in kind of the technology world and kind of just like the community building world, I think is still somewhat uncertain. Um, but what I do feel more certain about is that like DAOs will have a role um, in the future. Um, and I, while I don't know exactly what that will be, I don't know if any particular DAOs um, are going to be massive five years from now or won't exist five years from now. Um, but I do think like DAOs as a concept are really promising and it likely will have a big impact going forward. Um, and that's kind of where DAO tooling comes in, where it's like you aren't necessarily betting on or favoring any particular DAO or any particular community, but more just the concept of DAOs as like an idea um, and kind of the technology that allows DAOs to uh, do accounting efficiently or to do payroll or to do uh, community management or governance or things like that in an efficient way, um, I think is a sector that's really exciting and we're really in like the early days for. Um, I mean, there's some great Gen Z companies operating in the space um, alone, which we can dive into later. But I, I think that's kind of a really exciting and nascent field that's worth tracking. Yeah, awesome. Um, and such a wide variety. I, I'm always impressed by the, your your guys' ability to continually come up with new sectors. I was like, <laughs> how do you keep coming up? Like, there aren't that many sectors. Like, you keep coming up with a new one each week and, and keeping it fresh. So it's really impressive. Um, those two re really good ones. Um, while we're on those topics that you just mentioned, kind of health, wellness, sports, Dow tooling, maybe each of you give us an example startup, whether it's one you covered on Z Founder or not, that you're excited about there. Um, we always like to ask our guests, any startups, if it's a founder, we ask them like any other startups that, that you're tracking as we're always curious to learn about more. Right. And we've, we've also definitely covered some Dow and sleep tech, health tech, sports tech, even, uh, startups. So that's, that, that's certainly a sector that we on the venture pill also like to cover. Definitely. Um, I think, I mean, one, uh, kind of Gen Z favorite that I think probably a lot of people that are kind of plugged into the Gen Z startup world might be familiar with is Utopia Labs. Um, for those who aren't familiar, they do uh, kind of like payroll and expense management um, kind of tooling for DAOs. Um, and they raised, I think, a few million dollars uh, kind of at the end of 2021. Um, and they're doing really, I mean, I know they've worked with a lot of uh, impressive DAOs. Their founders are killing it. I mean, they're all over Twitter. They're at a lot of events. Um, and I think if you think of like how massive some of these fintech web two companies are, whether it's Stripe, Plaid, or any number of like the probably 100, 200 other fintech unicorns out there. 
I think if you subscribe to this like Web3 future where like DAOs are kind of like a critical part of how organizations operate and how communities operate, um, I think companies operating in kind of the DAO fintech space have like many, many uh, billions of dollars of potential. I mean, obviously, like we're very early now, we're probably 10, 20 years out from a world where like a company that's doing like DAO fintech could be as big as like a Stripe. Um, but I think it's definitely like there's a version of the future where like a company like Utopia Labs could be worth like a hundred million dollars, like like you're seeing for a strike today. If DAOs really are kind of the, the future, um, so I think it's what's really exciting. Also, we know the team and they're they're amazing. Um, yeah, so that's that's one company that I'm personally a big fan of, and I think we covered pretty early on um, in in Z Foundry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I yeah I love Utopia Labs, love what they're doing. Um, actually, another web three startup that I've, I've really enjoyed looking at. And, um, I think I'm pretty bullish on is, is decent. Um, they, they were in one of the most recent YC classes. Um, they're doing NFTs, um, um, with an overlap in music. So I think NFTs are, are also super interesting because, um, they're so versatile and you can really have NFTs with like every industry. I mean, a lot of industries will probably be um, disrupted in the near future. Um, I think NFTs are super interesting because they can kind of assign ownership and, and give access to certain things. Like with Decent, um, they, they're doing music NFTs and owners of these music NFTs can have access to certain things that the artists give them. And all the NFTs that Decent um, mints are backed by music royalties. So I think... Yeah, NFTs and music is super interesting and um, NFTs in general, I think, are, are really versatile and can be applied to a lot of different industries. Yeah, just to add on to that, I mean, um, I think you've seen kind of like the NFT market get hit lately, especially in terms of like collector NFTs, um, things like that maybe kind of just exist as like a, like a more collector's piece. But as Elian kind of alluded to, uh, any NFT that has kind of like like utility-based NFTs, whether it's for like membership or access to certain in real life or virtual events or other things like that, I think have massive potential and aren't really as tied to kind of these more macro market conditions that we see that are kind of hurting um, platforms like Coinbase right now and stuff. Um, so I think like things like yeah, music NFTs and just like any NFT use case that kind of has a, some attachment to utilities, uh, really interesting and kind of slightly more resilient against some of these like market downturns that we might be kind of looking at over the next few I mean, totally agreed with that. Definitely in terms of NFTs, the potential application for it is so vast, whether it's one one thing that I heard, I remember learning about a couple months ago was Gary V launching an NFT. I forget the name. We'll, We'll put it in the show notes, but essentially by owning this NFT, you got a table at this world class sushi spot in New York City. And, you know, I've heard about applications of using it for admission to like a country club or a golf course and, you know, music NFTs, obviously there's top shot and, you know, highlights. I think, I think the use cases for NFTs is really endless. And I agree, hopefully something that over the years, and as we hopefully climb out of this current, you know, bear market and downturn is something that we see expand. Yeah, totally. I think, um, NFTs in sports is super interesting too. There's, like you said, NFTs um, can kind of grant access to certain events. Uh, we've seen a lot of cool stuff in um, with like an overlap in prop tech, so giving access to like um, in-person events or um, social clubs, uh, restaurants. Like you said, 
um, and even like stadiums having NFT tickets um, to concerts and games and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, also like on the kind of like the commemorating event side of things. I mean, Pope is, I think a company, I think they raised like 10 million or something a few months ago, but kind of like commemorating events with, with NFTs and then kind of allowing people to access benefits like in perpetuity from attending certain events um, is yet yeah, another yeah, interesting use case. Yeah. Poaps are really cool technology um, as well. Yeah. I think we could, we could all dive into web three real deep for, for hours. Uh, but <laughs> But shifting gears, want to want to learn a little bit more about what the experience has been like building Z Founder. Of course, we're building a podcast, doing that weekly. You guys know the grind of that. Uh, have been doing it for over six months now. Great success. You said over 150 companies. I think you guys have surpassed like 1,500 subscribers. I don't know what the updated numbers are, but tell us like how's the journey gone? Like looking back six months ago, you know what were some things that surprised you about it? Aaron, you mentioned that you've seen, uh, you know, the the newsletter help connect founders to investors, things like that. I'm sure a lot of other things you couldn't have Im- uh, imagined too. Maybe just dive into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the journey has been amazing. I don't think we we thought that we would come this far. I think in this short amount of time, uh, when we started, we started initially talking about it in like September, October, and then had our first edition. Uh, on the 1st of November, but yeah, we're right around 1500 subscribers and we maintain a pretty good open rate too of around 60 to 70%. Um, so we're, yeah, we're super happy. We have a, a, a pretty engaged community and uh, we've been doing well on Twitter too. I think one thing I learned is, is like the value of community and network in this type of thing. I mean, I'm sure you guys know um, with VenturePill, like the best way for us to grow has been to just engage the community in new ways. Um, we recently launched a job board and um, that's been really well received too. So we started with the newsletter, but I think um, we're starting to look a little beyond that uh, with the job board. And, and we also have a talent collective, both hosted on Palette. Um, so stuff like that has been has been great for us. And yeah, growth has been really good too. So that's awesome. Yeah, and um, I think I know at least kind of like a concern of mine earlier on um, in kind of the process was that we'd uh, run out of companies to talk about. I mean, we were doing five a week, um, which was great. But like at first, yeah, maybe there's like 20 or 30 that kind of came to mind initially that we had seen on Twitter, just had met through kind of other circumstances. Um, but what's been really refreshing and kind of exciting about the process is that like as we go through and kind of pick these new themes every week, we're like amazed by how many like incredible Gen Z founding companies there are. I mean, there we oftentimes like don't even have enough space to cover all of the companies you want to in any given week, just because there's so much like innovation happening out there by people in their uh, early twenties, um, which has been really exciting and like a, for us, I think a really uh, positive, pleasant surprise in that there's so many young people going into the startup world and building all these like really incredible companies across like 10, 20, 30 different verticals, um, which is great. Um, it's not like Gen Z's only building in creator economy or only building in Web3. They're building everywhere. Um, and it, it's been really exciting to kind of witness that over the past six months and really just kind of continue to be surprised over and over again about like how many young people are doing cool stuff in, in this kind of environment. Yeah. And on that point, like it's every week, it's hard to choose five companies because uh, we don't want to exclude companies and like maybe we'll have to, um, revisit them when we like, uh, do a theme for a second time, 
but like every week it's it's hard to choose five because we usually end up with way more than than we originally thought we would yeah i think sam and i can (laughs) relate to that as well it's really tough to you know we put together a bunch of different startups that we want to cover and then to have to narrow it down to three or four of our favorite stories or just the easiest to explain um it's, it's always you know an overload of stories and to backtrack i'm extremely happy to be a contributor of the 60 to 7 percent open rate for z founder um <laughs> and quick Love that. quick follow-up question and i'm sure this will evolve over the next few months like it has for venture pill but what are some of your longer term goals with z founder i love the job board idea i think that's awesome but what's the vision in the next six months to a year would you say yeah i think um you know there's there's a short-term vision and a long-term vision. I think over the next few months, we just want to continue to grow the subscriber base and like find new ways to engage the community. Um, the job board has been great and we, we continue to onboard companies each week um, and, and continue to add talent to the talent collective. Um, so that's been really good. And then I think we want to continue to look beyond uh, just the newsletter. So, you know, we've started with a job board. We've, we've thought about doing some other things, um, but really we want to just continue to help early stage companies succeed uh, in whatever ways we can. Um, yeah. Aaron, feel free to add anything. Yeah. I mean, I think like over, over the coming months, I mean, we're always trying to think of ways to make our, our content even more interesting and even more kind of dynamic and engaging um, for kind of our expanding audience. Um, I think like in the, in the coming months, um, we want, we do want to like try to figure out a way to kind of bring in voices of others, um, not just young people, but kind of like people who have like been through it and kind of, kind of have advice and just like words of wisdom to share with a lot of these like, kind of our audience, which is generally skews to people in their early twenties, either in college, recently out of college, uh, in entering like the startup and VC industry. We think there's a lot to learn from people who have done this before. Um, and we, we were definitely kind of thinking of ways to kind of like try to loop in their their voices um, into the newsletter, kind of like an advice like uh, uh, format. So that's like one thing kind of we're thinking through. Yeah, and also in the longer term, kind of as, as Elian mentioned, um, more broadly, we, we we personally feel that there's kind of just like a lack of reliable information on kind of just like in like an early stage startup like media brand. I mean, you have things like TechCrunch. You have things like the information, which are great, um, but they're really just their tech publications more, more than anything. Um, and we think um, as we kind of continue to evolve and continue to grow this, we would love to be kind of a more authoritative voice in just the early stage startup ecosystem more broadly um, in providing resources and tools and information for just like anyone who, who loves early stage startups. Um, and we think that's something that doesn't really exist today, at least not, not at scale. Um, and it's something we definitely find interesting and kind of very synergistic to kind of the, the, the more direct work we're doing today. That's awesome. I love that vision. Um, you guys are, I mean, it's truly just exciting. Like all four of us are only just getting started young in our careers. Uh, just cool that you guys have built something so substantial in, in such a short time. It'll be really exciting to you know, check in and maybe do an episode six months from now. And I'm sure you guys will have like all these other features and ideas <laughs> running through your head. So really cool to check in now and be able to look back at this episode. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of not, not to round up the episode, but to shift gears uh, once more, we want to give our listeners, we, if you're not familiar, we call our listeners the venture pilgrims. Uh, <laughs> so tell the pilgrims out there who might be in, High school, college, early 20s, just young in their career. What advice would you give to them if 
they're new to the startup venture or venture capital world, whether that's with your experience um, at Agia or with with sort of the journey of building a newsletter, those types of things, how do you get involved? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it can be a tough question to answer. And I, I don't think everyone's answers are kind of the same because people have different um, career paths and different routes into VC, especially if you're young. I mean, historically, growing up, like I always heard that VC is something you do after a number of years in other finance industries. So I don't think the path is still as clear as it is to other industries. Um, and so for for us, I mean, we kind of had to get creative. I think, you know, COVID kind of benefited us a little bit because um, other options fell through and we we're lucky to end up at an early stage VC and, and working in a job that we really enjoy. Um, but my advice, I think, is just to kind of get creative and, and figure out ways to get your foot in the door. Um, networking is is immense. Um, it goes a really, really long way in, in all industries, but especially VC. Um, and then also, I, you know, building a brand for yourself, I think is huge, whether it's on Twitter or, or LinkedIn or whatever, um, you know, the Z founders helped us a lot just to get our names out there. Um, but that definitely, I think is something that's essential nowadays, especially when everyone's looking at socials, getting news through Twitter and through other um, means like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, and sorry to cut you off, Aaron, but building your own brand and putting your thoughts out there, there's a lot to be said for that to, open up doors that you would have never thought could be open, right? I'm sure you guys have come across this and we're starting to see it a little bit with our podcast. It gives you a little bit of credibility. If you're starting to put your thoughts out there um, and you're put, you're posting something, you're writing stuff, you're making content, whether that's a podcast videos, there's so much opportunity to do that. So, you know, it's not just a newsletter. It's not just a podcast, but it's, you know, it's networking and, and networking online specifically it's exponential benefits. Aaron, what, what were you going to say to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think um, networking and just like relationships um, more, more broadly are uniquely important in um, the startup and VC world relative to kind of maybe other industries that people uh, think of more frequently kind of out of undergrad, whether that's like in consulting or investment banking or private equity or some other um, kind of more traditional, I guess you could say, path. And that like there is no one like linear path into like the startup and VC world, which is like a benefit and a curse. I mean, it's amazing because you can do whatever you want in your early 20s. And I really believe like startups in VC is one of the few industries where you can like truly do something substantive and something really impactful and really big in your early 20s. Um, and your age really isn't going to be a barrier. I mean, if you think of many of like the largest, most successful companies today, like publicly traded companies are founded by people in their early 20s. Um, who kind of just like thought big and sent it. Um, and I think that's like what's really exciting about the industry, but it also makes it tough because there is no linear recruiting path. There's no books you can buy that teaches you how to prep for a VC interview or a startup interview, um, at least not to the extent you would see with like uh, with consulting or IB. Um, and I think the most important thing, yeah, it's just like putting yourself out there, reaching out to people, like getting on calls, like learning, asking questions, cold emailings and like, I think can go really far um, in this kind of world. I mean, I, I cold email my way to this job. Um, and I think I'm a big fan that you can cold email your way to a lot of things in life. Um, 
So yeah, I guess that's what I would say too. Just like reach out to people, send thoughtful messages, whether it's on Twitter or LinkedIn or email, um, because you never know where it might lead. Oof, that's just, that just got me fired up, Aaron. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, totally agreed. I mean, I think I definitely think of VenturePill and Z Founder as very entrepreneurial, creative ways to crack into venture capital and the startup space, which as you, I think you mentioned earlier, Elian, it traditionally wasn't really something that people our age would be able to crack into. It's usually after a long career of networking, making connections and uh, promotions, really <laughs> promotions and meeting the right people. So for people in our age demographic to be able to be working in venture and have a pulse on the startup space, I think is testament to how times are changing and how you can really make things happen for you if you are creative and also follow up with the work that is required. Yeah, no, totally. And I think just one last thing, I think like persistence matters a lot. Um, if you're, if you have a passion for startups and or early stage investing or podcasting or whatever it is, um, don't be afraid to start small. Like, you know, at one point we had zero subscribers and we just stuck with it week after week. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's no harm in starting small and everyone starts small at some point. So persistence is everything. True. Persistence. And then the, let the count, let the compounding start to come in. Right. And that's where the growth comes in after the consistency for a while. And I'm sure you guys see spurts of growth. Um, same thing goes with your personal networking. If you don't want to start something like that, you meet somebody, they introduce you to somebody else and then it all starts to snowball. So that's kind of how it works. And I agree the persistence is key there as, as a key contributor to that growth. So I guess the, one of the missions of venture pill is helping, you know, people, like we said in high school or college or early twenties, get into venture capital. And I know you guys mentioned that emerging funds might be a great avenue for someone who's looking to break into the scene. Um, so would one of you like to elaborate a little bit more on highlighting some examples of emerging funds or just giving a brief explanation of what they are? Yeah, I'm happy to take it to start. Um, I mean, I think there there isn't like a, a strict definition to what the emerging funds means, but generally it's first time funds um, kind of being raised generally like under 100 million uh, AUM mark. Um, that are could be investing in any industry, often small teams, normally just a few partners, maybe one or two analysts. Um, that, that's generally um, kind of the, the entire team. Um, but yeah, I think emerging funds are really exciting space to get involved in as like someone who, who's young um, for a couple of reasons. One, because they've, they've really kind of blown up over the past few years. I mean, in, in a market for the past two or three years where VC has become like an increasingly appealing appetite to all kinds of investors, um, whether it's high net worth individuals or more institutional investors, strategics, or others. There's been this proliferation of emerging funds in, in the U.S. I know of, but I'm sure around the world, where there are literally hundreds of funds that kind of sit anywhere between 10 and 100 million um, that invest in all, all kinds of industries. I mean, they're always looking for, for help. Um, and I think joining them is really compelling because you have so much more responsibility than you would find anywhere else. I mean, especially compared to what you would see at like kind of like a consulting and find a more traditional finance type firm, but even more responsibility than you would see at like a Sequoia or A16Z. I mean, I, I think Elliot and I can say from experience, I mean, we've been very involved from kind of starting Ag Adventures from day one. Um, and we've gone through the steps, everything from 
reaching out to LPs, working on having capital committed to the fund, building out investment processes, diligence processes, meeting with companies, meeting with investors, everything else. I mean, you really do it all at an emerging fund. And given the small nature of the team, you, have, you just have infinite amount of responsibility. And with that means you can do a lot of stuff and grow really, really fast, um, which, which I've loved. I think it's one of the best um, industries and careers you can get into right out of undergrad, um, personally. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of emerging VCs. It's kind of like an entry point to your career to really accelerate your learning and growth. I'm, I'm sure Elian also has thoughts, but. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's great. And I think emerging funds are also always have so much work to do um, because of like the nature of having a small team. Um, and so, I mean, we both started as interns. And so that's like, if, if you're not in VC and you want to get into it, that's like, that's probably the most obvious path is just start cold, cold emailing, cold DMing people um, and offer your services as an intern. Um, and if it's not an emerging fund, maybe it's an accelerator or venture studio or um, an incubator or whatever. Um, so there's a few different avenues, but yeah, definitely a big fan of the work that exists at early stage uh, VCs. And, and like Aaron said, the, the amount of responsibility that we have and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I throw out as a quick uh, kind of ending tip too. If you're interested in working at an emerging fund, keep an eye out on um, news about like new funds being raised, whether it's on Twitter or newsletters or somewhere else. Oftentimes, emerging funds, they rarely will have like formal job postings that they'll put out. Um, but they almost always will be looking to hire a few analysts like right around when they close kind of that first fund. So like if you see in the news, like, oh, like X fund just closed their first like $70 million vehicle to invest in this industry. Like if you think it's interesting, you should reach out to one of the GPs because they're probably looking to bring some people onto their team to help kind of deploy that capital. Yeah, I think you both really hit the nail on the head there. I mean, there is no shortage of work to go around with an emerging fund. And I think there's truly no better way to learn than just kind of being thrown into the fire. And even if you end up discovering that venture capital and startups isn't for you, the connections you've made and the experience, there, there's value in even realizing that that may not be exactly what you want to do. Um, so I, I agree. I think that's yeah. a great point made by you too. And it's not only to say that there's only opportunities on the investing side. I think there's a lot to be said for joining a startup, even in a part-time capacity on the operating side, if you will. It's kind of uh, similar to the path that I took. Um, so there's lots of opportunity within the whole space. You know, portfolio companies are looking for interns and and help as well. So that's another way to get in, get a foot in the door. In any part of that equation, though, there's lots of innovative stuff going on. You're going to learn a lot and have a have a fun time while doing it. I think, I think we can all agree, agree on that. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Awesome guys. Um, to wrap up the episode today, really appreciate you guys coming on. We want to plug, of course, Z founder it's zfounder.com, Z F O U N D R.com. Um, how could people follow you reach out if, if they want to learn more or recommend any companies to the newsletter? Now's your time to plug your your twitters and, and whatever else <laughs> yeah definitely uh, definitely subscribe um you know like we mentioned we do uh weekly issues that come out every monday morning um so uh you can stay up to date there and then you know uh, we're, we're both pretty active on twitter so follow us um yeah and and with regard to submitting companies on each issue we actually have a form you can submit companies and we love getting suggestions. So um, keep submitting companies. A lot of them end up making it into the newsletter. 
yeah, echoing what Elian said, definitely follow us on Twitter. I think both our Twitter handles are first name underscore last name. Um, Z Founder Twitter, we drop a new company every day of the week, every day for the past six months. Um, definitely. So if you want, like, kind of add a little Gen Z um, kind of twist to your feeds, definitely give our Twitter account a follow. Um, and yeah, uh, looking forward to hopefully meeting a bunch of people soon. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll put those links in the show notes for sure. Uh, and uh, hopefully this is the beginning of a little newsletter podcast collab to last a lifetime. Uh, <laughs> really appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam. I'm Brandon. And this is Venture Pill. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. Signing off. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but wait.